Hello and welcome to the Musty Creative Podcast. I'm your host, Jesus, the Broken One. And I am joined by my friend and yours, Michelle. The Hi, Michelle. S- the sick one. <laughs> yes. We are the Musty Collective, creatives on a journey to better storytelling. Thank you for joining us today, even though it's musty in here. I've been waiting a long time to do that. I wish I could breathe as easily as you right now. <laughs> I, I, it was still pretty sniffly. I got a lot of congestion myself. Today, we are going to talk about Black Panther Wakanda forever. Woo-hoo! That's right. <laughs> no, we are super excited to talk about this. It's been a long time, but we, we could not we could not talk. We could not have another episode and then not talk about this one. So we just went straight for this one. So here we go. Here we go. Let's start the show. So Wakanda Forever came out, Michelle. Yes, yes. Yes, it did. I love the enthusiasm. We have seen this film, and I had a lovely time watching it with you, Michelle. Oh, thank you. And the film was great. Mm-hmm. We're going to get into our full analysis, our full review. We're going to give a rating. We don't usually do that, but I think we're starting to we, we, we'll unveil our rating system mm. and we're not official reviewers, but I just like to know objectively give myself some basis as to like how I felt about a film when it came out and when I saw it versus like maybe six months or a year down the line mm-hmm. when I rethink about the story. And in case you didn't know, which I'm probably sure most of our audience knows this already this is the sequel to the Black Panther film starring Chadwick Boseman, who passed away due to cancer before the second film began pre-production. Yeah, very sad passing away. And I re- we recently heard some newer information that he had beat cancer before. Mm-hmm. And so he thought that's why he didn't say anything. He thought he could beat it again. Mm-hmm. But obviously he didn't. Yeah. And. One thing that I really appreciated in this film, which also reminds me of Top Gun Maverick and how they dealt with Iceman's illness, um, is that they didn't create a scenario where, like, Black Panther just left unannounced or he died in battle or something. Like, he literally died of the same illness that he died in real life in, so... Well, they didn't well, name it. They but, didn't name the illness. But yeah, he was, he had a disease and that's what took him out. Yeah. And, and I, something that yeah. was uncurable even by Wakanda standards. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I think in a way it's like helping people, at least fans process it. What happened? Like even definitely for me, even also with like the Top Gun Maverick stuff, like Val Kilmer's character was really sick. And they didn't try to cover it up or just like recast or anything. They were just acknowledging like, yeah, this person is ill. And they incorporated that into the story, which I think it is starting to become a more 
popular thing to do, which I really appreciate. Yeah, it's definitely a much better <clears throat> way to handle it from a story pr perspective than just completely writing the character out and not giving any closure, especially for someone such as Chadwick Boseman that meant a lot for a lot of people and also just died suddenly and tragically during the pandemic, mm -hmm. right? Where a lot of things were kind of taken away from us during that time period. Yeah. Much better than what the writers did on Independence Day Resurgence, the sequel to Independence Day, mm -hmm. where they just wrote Will Smith out, who was the cornerstone and lead actor for the entire film. Mm -hmm. And they just wrote him out that he died in a battle a couple years before the the, the sequel started Man. that was not the way it handled it should have been handled but in will smith's defense and i'm not saying we should all defend will smith all, all of a sudden but mm -hmm. but in his defense in this movie it's a really i saw it in movie theaters when it first came out it, it's a bad film <laughs> and so maybe that's why negotiations didn't just go as well i really wish that film had done better i wish it had been a better film because i love that story but anyways we're here to discuss black panther wakanda forever yes yeah, so in We'll just tackle it out of the gate. The first scene completely hushed the, the audience, the theater crowd that mm -hmm. I was in, that we were in on opening night, Thursday evening. We went to go see the film and it just went dark. It went quiet. It was somber. Mm -hmm. And we fully addressed T'Challa in the first immediate scene. And I could literally feel like the, a different energy was over the entire crowd as soon as it started in the, the the film started mm -hmm. yeah it was definitely i mean because that you're kind of like you are hyped for the film but you are going into it knowing what happened to chadwick boseman right i mean and so you're maybe, kind of, maybe some people didn't know <coughs> it's possible but most people didn't know <clears throat> yeah so i think it um it kind of like addressed well it addressed the elephant in the room definitely most definitely and i think they did it in a classy way yeah. They they did it just like this. I mean, not they didn't play the song, but it's exactly like the the tone was set. Mm -hmm. It was a complete beautiful collaboration between marketing for once and the film team for once. But anyways, mm -hmm. just letting you know if you're a new listener to the Mustard Grade Podcast, thank you for listening to us. Thank you for joining us joining with us today. Thank you for spending this hour and a half or however long this <laughs> podcast half, however long this podcast turns out to be with us. But we just want you to know that we're gonna spoil all the tea. We don't do like non-spoiler reviews and spoiler reviews. Mm -hmm. Like we we just start talking. We just assume you've seen it. Yes. If you haven't seen it, stop right here. Unless you don't care. Unless you don't care. But go see the film. It's a really, really well made film. All right. So Let's talk about this long journey to watching Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Okay. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Wakanda Forever. So it all started um, when Jesus was in Irvine playing the basketballs. Mercy. And I was at a conference in Baltimore, Maryland at the time. And I receive a text from my husband saying... I am your husband. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, it's a picture of him in a wheelchair and he has a splint on his foot and he's just pointing to his foot. And he 
what did you say? I can't remember. It was I, like tore, a, I tore my Achilles. Yeah, it was like a really simple text. And then I'm like, what? But I'm like getting ready to board a flight. So we can't really talk to each other. <clears throat> so it's. It was kind of shocking and I felt scared because I wasn't there to help him or anything. And I was trying to communicate with him and it was hard. Um, and so I get home <clears throat> and he's home he has this wrap over his leg and he starts showing me compilation videos of basketball players tearing their Achilles. Yeah. So like in, in culmination, this is, it was almost as if I was going through this experience, right? Not obviously not death, but it was, there was a lot of emotions at stake in, in coming into this film. I was super hyped. If you follow us on YouTube, you see me with my trailer reaction to the first trailer to Wakanda forever. But yeah, so I, I tore my Achilles. I've been hopping around on one foot for about, you know, four weeks up until watching the film. And I, I didn't even know if I really could actually go to the theater at one point because there's so much effort in, in like getting dressed now mm -hmm. and getting prepared and then, you know, going over there, getting a ride and then, you know, going up the steps if I have to go up steps. And it's just, a, it's a whole bunch of trouble. And I I still haven't fully accepted the fact that I am disabled, at least temporarily disabled. And so I, I don't usually buy the tickets in the theater for the wheelchair bound people. I go hop up the steps on my <laughs> one foot. And that's what I did for this film. I actually, no, I actually, I, didn't, I hopped on, on one crutch to go up the steps to get myself ready to watch Wakanda forever. And... Also, this is, we're just using this as a slight way to say, hey, this is why we've been slow on our updates. <laughs> I have a, I had a catas catastrophic injury, the Kobe yes. Bryant injury, the KD injury. I tore my Achilles playing basketball. Mm -hmm. the, the short story on that was I was playing basketball, tried to make a move on a bigger player. I thought I had him, made him juke. I was in the triple threat position as if you know basketball, you know what that means at the top of the key. I went to go drive my left foot, push off my right, and I heard a loud like <laughs> slap sound just like that. A loud sound, so loud that the other players around me heard it. I fell immediately to the ground. I was screaming in pain. And I was even I was even cursing, y'all. Like it was really <laughs> bad. And I thought someone hit me in the back of my foot and I was yelling at people, why did you touch me? And then someone said, bro, you need to calm down. I think you tore your Achilles. So it's been confirmed. MRI. I'm going to go into surgery, hopefully in the next two weeks, mm -hmm. and start the road to recovery. Follow us on Instagram or other places. Uh, show, show up in the, patron, in the, patron, the Patreon and in the Discord. I'll be journaling my journey. Hopefully it'll be inspiring for you, but I know it'll be inspiring for, for me as well. Mm -hmm. Anyways, so the night that we got there, <laughs> I'm sitting there on the, the far right seat. I have my, my crutches, I have my homies, have my, my wife is there. We're getting ready to watch Black Panther Wakanda forever. So, mm -hmm. without further ado, Michelle, could you read the synopsis for us? The people of Wakanda fight to protect their home from intervening world powers as they mourn the death of King T'Challa. Yes, and that's all we know, but obviously the other big part of this film is we're getting the introduction to a whole new world group of people right mm -hmm. and we're getting introduced to 
Namor, the Submariner, as he's known in the Marvel comics. I, but after this movie, I'm, I, I like to refer to him as Namor since they went in a different direction for his origin story, which is really, really cool. But before we get into all that, let's give some love to the people in front and behind the camera. So obviously he does get a mention in this film. So Chadwick Boseman is, I think, a member officially of this cast, according to IMDb. So of course, Chadwick Boseman as T'Challa. And next we have the director and co-writer of this film, Brian Coogler, doing an amazing job in this film. Mm-hmm. I had my critiques of him in Black Panther. Uh, obviously, I love Creed. And I think I really do think Ryan Cooler has become a legit, like a way better Marvel MCU director now yeah. in this film. I think his first film, his his virgin film, as it were, <laughs> as, as an MCU director, like there's struggles when it comes to like directing action, you know, blending special the CGI, effects, special yeah. effects direct correctly. Exactly. Like setting up all the shots. But what he does, what he what he lacked there, he does so, so well with directing actors, helping to write a, a really great script with so many layers and, you know, providing the different types of shots mm-hmm. to make up a film that has his its own stamp and style on Black Panther. Yeah. So Ryan Coogler, amazing. His co-writer, Joe Robert Cole. And I also believe he co-wrote with Ryan Coogler on the first Black Panther. So great job. Obviously, producers Kevin Feige and we also have Nate Moore. And then from that point on, I mean, OK, we, we don't want to forget about Winston Duke as M'Baku. Mm-hmm. Got to have love for Winston Duke. And Namor, uh, I don't have the name for Namor's actor, but he is amazing. He did a great job in this film, per, per, you know, per presenting and representing this character but in a new way mm-hmm. but after that it's a pretty much a woman-led cast so we have Letitia Wright playing Shuri we have Lupita Nyong'o playing Nakia Denai Gurria or Gurira uh playing Okoye Angela Bassett playing Queen Ramonda and Dominique Thorne I don't know what character she plays she's the MIT student oh so Riri Williams okay very mm-hmm. cool and there's so many women there's so many so many women mm-hmm. it is a woman-led cast it's a woman-centric centric movie mm-hmm. for pretty much for the most part and they they all did amazing yeah i was really impressed with the acting um because you you know like these women are great at acting but like this was a really great combination of people and they had really great chemistry together and there was never <clears throat> a scene because okay honestly for me sometimes these superhero movies pull me out of reality sometimes with the acting in a bad way to where i'm like oh yeah this is a superhero movie this is yeah this is a movie these are actors but i feel like they really gave it their all and um just the way that they expressed their emotions and the way that they interacted with each other it was like very powerful and believable yes most definitely and the actor's name who played the more Tenok Hureta. So he did a wonderful job. I'm super excited because he is so strong and powerful. Like, you know, his uh, the, the name that his people call him is Kuku Khan, the, the, the feathered serpent god. And mm-hmm. the way that M'Baku talks about him in the film, that he's as strong as the Hulk. Mm-hmm. And he flies like he's very fast. I thought his flight was going to be like kind of like a like an angel kind of like slowly progressing through the trees like, oh. 
oh, I'm flying. <laughs> but he's like zooming. Mm-hmm. Not as fast as like Superman or something like that, but he's he's pretty fast mm-hmm. in the air. So and he's fast in the water. Amazing, amazing mm-hmm. job. Also, Martin Freeman playing Everett Ross. Uh, and we also have a Julia. Uh, Louis Dreyfus. Louis Dreyfus uh, sighting, you know. Mm-hmm. And those two are very interesting. <laughs> very interesting in the film. But a really wonderful cast. They did such an amazing job. Mm-hmm. And I just want to give hats to them. Give, give Tip my hat to them. mentioning before and i thought it would be cool to kind of go through some of the quotes and talk about them yeah and as we go through the quotes we're kind of going through the timeline the plot of the film so you know this is not a a pure quote because i'm still i watched the movie twice already actually Mm -hmm. watch it watch it watch it a second time in the disney walt disney theater on the disney wonder cruise so shout out to the disney wonder cruise for actually showing us a just released film mm-hmm. like you know not for free because we pay for the trip but like you know that was pretty cool mm-hmm. that was pretty awesome and i finally heard what the first line of the film which is something along the lines of dear rest if you heal my brother i will never doubt your existence again which is shuri which really is to me supposed to be a part of like the core of her journey mm-hmm. in this film and i really wanted to highlight this part because this starts uh, not just her journey, but is part of like the pain and struggle she goes through. She, as we'll talk about more later, she is seen as more of a progressive technologist, this you know Afro futurist, futuristic black excellence icon. Mm-hmm. Shuri, as far as like being bright and smart, no barriers for her. She can do what she wants as far as progression and pushing forward. You know uh, her place in technology and her people in technology and science. Yeah. And she dealt with this theme or this this struggle of that she did not really believe in the ancestors or the spirituality of mm-hmm. her people, um, which wasn't really apparent to me in the first film. But I like that it was highlighted here. Yeah. And she's very much the antithesis of her brother T'Challa, mm-hmm. who like who still was for science and technology, but had no problem delving into the ancient ways and yeah. the spirituality of his people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was, um, like, something you mentioned to me when we were just talking about it was, I feel like that's kind of a commentary on just our Gen Z generation. And, and millennials, too. Yeah, and millennials. And Gen Xers, yeah. Like, they're they're struggling with, these, like, the religious ideologies of past generations, and yes. they're trying to, like, they're trying to be spiritual, but they're struggling with it because they just don't connect in the same way. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of interesting that they used that. Yeah, we, we don't have this quote in here, but it even comes even up to even be more apparent when Shuri, again, we're just going through this, but when Shuri figures out how to, to recreate the, um, the heart-shaped flower or herb, 
mm-hmm. that the Black Panther power comes from, which is interesting now because if Tolukan has the same, they ground it up. They have they have abilities as well. But anyways, interesting, mm-hmm. interesting, interesting. But yeah, she figures out. She shows up to the elders' situation in uh, in the Jabari land. And shows off that she is now the Black Panther. She mm-hmm. has the, the powers of the Black Panther, the protector, uniter of their people. And she's having a one-on-one conversation with uh, the Jabari leader in Baku, Winston Duke. Beautiful young, young, young brother. And and then um, she he brings up the whole idea of like, this is not like your mom wouldn't want for you to have to go through a war. Mm-hmm. right and then she like rebukes him and says you keep talking about my mom as if she's alive about her hopes and dreams and her wants but she's dead she's not alive and like the then the shot goes back to Mbaku and he's like ooh like he doesn't say anything but you can read everything on his face like oh she really doesn't believe in in what we believe as a people mm-hmm. that there is like another plane of existence that you go to when you die yeah right and sh- this is like showing that she has like more of a materialistic mindset or worldview like what whatever she can observe in nature is that's all it is Mm -hmm. she doesn't have this idea that there's this extra phenomenon out there which a lot of people do share and i i really like like i that's not a view i share but i like that the film itself had a character a main character in this instance that was really like struggling with that Mm -hmm. especially because with you know her brother being gone her father being gone and then later on her mother being gone she would be thrust into royalty a situation where she could be the next leader and how could she lead her people without that spiritual essence i mean we go through this even in america like in america is there is it ever would it, be, would it ever be possible that we would have a president that's an atheist i think highly doubtful because the country has so much religious you know, spirituality imbued into it from for whatever reason. And it'd be like, how can we have a leader who completely revokes that? Hmm. So I again going back to this original quote that she prays to whatever God, I have the wrong name, I believe, but she prays to this God to heal her brother because she is having a struggle healing him herself through her gifts. Mm-hmm. Right. And so she says, I will never doubt you your existence again. If you heal my brother. Right. And my personal experience going through church and talking to other young people, like this is a real thing that a lot of people go through. They always like people have this, this thing where it's like, all right, God, like show me that you exist by answering this prayer request. Mm -hmm. Right. And then when it doesn't go the way they want, it's like, okay, well he doesn't exist or she doesn't exist or whatever. Mm -hmm. I, I, it's very interesting that they had this in here. Yeah. Um, the next quote is, if I sit and think about my brother for too long, it won't be these clothes I burn. It will be the world. Yes. and That quote. was by Shuri. Another quote by Shuri. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about the context of this one? Um, so pretty much her mother is trying to get her to participate in a religious ritual by burning cl- um, white clothes. I think they're, they belonged to... I don't know who they belong no, to. No, they were just the, the clothes that they wore at the funeral. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so it's like a like an essence of like the time of mourning has has stopped. So it, it's a way to reconnect with lost loved ones and to see them again and to fully accept that they're not there anymore. And so 
Um, but she's just refusing to participate at all in this ceremony. Yeah, exactly. And not just refusing, but outright not wanting to go through the healing process that her mother, Queen Ramonda, is wanting her to go through. So much so that she says, if I think about my brother too long, I want to burn the world. Mm -hmm. Now, who does that sound like? Jesus Noland. What? <laughs> okay. No. Okay. I just got just got exposed. No, but it, it, it definitely what it what is what is who it sounds like is 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 Killmonger. Yeah. Right? Which is very appropriate. We'll get into later that he makes a cameo. Mm -hmm. Which I just want to say the best MCU cameo of all time mm -hmm. so far. Uh obviously until like Iron Man makes a comeback or something, like that that was just that was just amazing. All right, so our next quote is this one. It says, my ancestors would often say only the most broken people can be great leaders. This is from Namor when him and Shuri are having their talks in Dalukan. And mm -hmm. I, I, honestly, probably one of the best quotes of the film uh, because it just resonates even outside of the film's context that, you know, broken people can be great leaders. I, I take it as the fact that you, to be a great leader, you need to understand uh, how to be the best servant and to be a, a, the best servant to your people is actually knowing what it's like to be the lowest uh, of your people, like either from an emotional standpoint or, or a physical standpoint. And you go through that through going through the brokenness kind of thing. So I, hmm. uh, and obviously with the, with the two main characters here, Namor and Shuri, they obviously have gone through great losses, whether it was his mother and he had no other direct family than her. Um, and he lost her pretty quickly mm -hmm. in his life. And then with, with Shuri, obviously, like we, it's documented all in the MCU. She lost her entire immediate family <laughs> in, yeah. in the scope of like maybe three. Yeah, three, three, three or four films. Mm -hmm. And technically she lost T'Challa twice because T'Challa, I don't know if she was... Um, what was the word? Uh, blinked away, or what happened in Endgame or Infinity War? Oh, with the snap. The snap. She. I don't know. If she was snapped away, or but we know that T'Challa was snapped away. So she lost T'Challa twice, oh. technically. So man, it's just well documented that Shuri is a is broken. She has so many things that when her when her mother gets killed and they had the funeral, like my heart was buried with her. I, I don't. Like, I kind of know after this film how Shuri's going to move forward. But, you know, I think moving forward, like, Shuri is just, like, she really needs a friend. She needs friends. She needs mm -hmm. people that are going to surround her and comfort her and hug her. Like, she needs her sisters. Like, and she's obviously open up to everybody as well. And the next quote is, he was a king and Black Panther to everyone. But to me, he was everything. That was obviously Nakia to Okoye as uh, they came back from her Nakia saving Shuri from Tolokan. Mm -hmm. And they had a sit down talk about everything. And people were like, hey, where, where have you been? What blah, blah, blah. Why mm -hmm. couldn't you do this? Why couldn't you show up to the funeral? And obviously a very good reason for why she didn't show up to the funeral. We learned about that later. But also this was good enough for me too. She, she obviously had a romantic relationship with T'Challa prior to the first Black Panther movie, you could tell by their chemistry and romanticism. Mm -hmm. It was interesting, too, because in the comics, T'Challa goes on to marry Storm. 
So it would have been interesting if that had been a triangle kind of relationship in the MCU where you have Storm and Nakia, you know, and, and T'Challa, like to see how that would play out. Mm-hmm. I But I love, like, I just think Lupita Nyong'o, she's so great in this film. She's a great actor in general. And her vibe with Chadwick Boseman, you know, yeah, I want I rooted for them. And obviously we're going to get some legit litty stuff in the future with them <laughs> um, because of that relationship. But mm-hmm. I just I just love this quote. I just like every she said he was everything. Mm-hmm. And that's just it, it just speaks to that higher level of that relationship that she had with him. Yeah. Speaking of everything, I have given everything. Let me die serving my country. Okoye to Queen Ramonda. Mm-hmm. Very charged part of the film. Uh, okay, Okoye had was supposed to take care of Shuri. Yeah, and she really like I feel bad for her because she did do her very very best. But she didn't have to bring her. She really didn't have to bring her. That's no. true. That is very true. Mm-hmm. But it was cool because it established the early relationship between Riri and mm-hmm. and Shuri. You yeah. know. But also at the same time, Okoye was like one on five or something like against five like Talokan Atlassian type people like Mm -hmm. they were super strong and they were healing and doing all this foolishness and she had never faced them before. Mm -hmm. I I thought she did a great job. Yeah, she should. She should have just brought more backup. That's really what it should have (laughs) done. And they should have brought a whale. That's what they should have done. A whale. (laughs) Yeah, they need they need. I think Wakanda, they have so much technology. They need some more. They need to bring animal those power. rhinos. They need some more animal, animal power. I think a rhino, a couple of rhinos would have been legit litty for them to have. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the, uh, the most powerful quote um, in this in this whole entire film, um, or probably second most powerful, but as mm-hmm. far as like what people will probably remember from the trailer, I am the queen of the most powerful nation and my entire family is gone. And obviously that's Queen Ramonda uh, to the Wakandan throne room, obviously right after Okoye. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, she says, haven't, haven't I given everything? Like, don't you tell me about everything. You don't know what it is, means to give she, everything. She lost her husband. Because at first I was like, man, she was like stripping Okoye from her title and her generalship. Yeah. And I was like, man, Queen, I, I feel you. I know you're upset. I think you're being a little harsh. And then I was like, Dang, now that I think about it, she <laughs> lost her husband and she lost her son multiple times mm-hmm. on Okoye's watch. And Okoye was on Killmonger's side because she was trying to be loyal to the law of the land, which mm-hmm. is technically right, technically right. But she hadn't fully forgiven her for that, you could yep. tell. And now she lost her only her last child. Yep. What did you think about Angela Bassett, though? In, the, in those moments. I think she was a great queen of Wakanda. I was really sad to see her go. I mean, she's such a powerful actress, so it she just fit the part really well. Um, and I think she was doing her best for Wakanda. Um, so, I mean, it's a lot of pressure. <laughs> especially when you do lose people in power and then it's all up to you and you're trying to keep everyone together um i think i think it wasn't pressure per se it's just the fact that you know it would have been nice to have a black panther around Mm -hmm. to serve as that extra force and strength for their entire nation yeah right because before 
T'Chunga, I think his name is, T'Challa's father, mm-hmm. Ramonda's husband died. Like he had already passed along the Black Panther mantle to T'Challa, his son. Mm-hmm. So like he could be the political diplomat. He could have his, you know, his special, his strongest special agent, his strongest warrior, who mm-hmm. is also his son, his only son to to go off and do like special missions and stuff like that. Yeah. So I think that's why at the beginning of the movie, right, um, you know, Ramonda's like, hey, can we get the heart? Uh, the heart-shaped herb coming back you know we mm-hmm. got we it's nice to have this tradition of the black panther yeah that's a good point yeah again just also like that i think a lot of the scenes in the movie that could have made me cry or got me close to crying involved angela bassett i just and that's why i'm i am glad to see that ryan coogler and the mcu all together we're allowing real characters to, to be taken off the board, right? And not come back. And it it was sad that it was Queen Ramonda because she's like, she's mom. She's mm-hmm. queen mother. She meant us so much to so many people. And she's, Angela Bassett's performance of that character is just so amazing. Yeah. So when I saw her face down in the water drowned, Ugh. that was rough. Part of me was hoping like, oh, maybe they'll do CPR and then she'll start breathing again. Yeah. As like most Marvel movies do, like where you think they're dead, but they're not really. Or most films, most storytelling in general, right? Like yeah. it's one of my biggest gripes of like Cobra Kai and Stranger Things they haven't killed off any real major characters up, up to this point. So uh, as much as it hurt, I respect from a story t- storytelling perspective and appreciate that they're willing to take out an actual major character mm-hmm. because, you know, that shows you that there are real stakes. Like when Namor says, hey, I'm going to kill you if you talk about me to the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. And he 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 was real about it. Like he said, I'm going to show up and kill you. He he wasn't playing around. So yeah, that's true. when you have that final fight with him versus Shuri as Black Panther, it's like, you know that he's coming for blood, mm-hmm. right? Like he's, he has no problem taking you out. Yeah. He does no problem drowning you and just watching you float in the water mm-hmm. and then tell you to bury your dead. And oh, I'm coming man. back in a week. You know, like yeah. the more like he's a he's a real one. He's yeah. a real one. And um, our next quote is and uh, the, the here, here's crazy, though, it's like. Are you going to be noble like your brother or take care of business? Uh, uh, Eric Killmonger to Shuri. And I think like if this wasn't a Disney PG-13 film, you replace business with the S word. Because <laughs> <laughs> I feel to me, that's the kind of energy that yeah. Killmonger was was bringing, has brought to this entire franchise so far. But man, babe, like the reveal, that reveal mm-hmm. was just stunning. Mm-hmm. Like I. Even the second time just watching, I was like, dang, I can't believe they actually did it. <laughs> like, I still can't believe they did it. That was really, I was not expecting him at all, honestly. No, I, I wasn't. I had no rumors. Great job by Disney by keeping it under wraps. Mm-hmm. I didn't hear any rumors about that. Yeah, I really thought it was going to be um, the queen. Angela Bassett, Ramona, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's what, that's what everyone expected. Mm-hmm. And it's like, hey, hey, little cuz. Like, I was like, dang, who let this man in here? Who let this man in here? Mm-hmm. But it, it's interesting, too, because, and I'll, I'll bring this up a little bit more, but it shows how much more Shuri in this movie, in this storyline, because of all the loss she's gone through, she has no real connection spirituality-wise to the religion, the deities of her mm-hmm. people. 
she is super angry and upset. Like, she is actually a lot more like Killmonger than she is T'Challa. That is true. And again, just kind of reinforces the beginning quote of like, okay, if you do this for me, then I'll believe in you. So mm-hmm. like, hey, if you, you know, kind of quid pro quo kind yeah. of thing, right? Transactional based uh, faith and all that, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. But, but she really... She really, in the end, was like, yeah, I'm going to take care of business. Mm-hmm. She went out. She went on that final battle in that third act saying, I'm going to take care of business. Mm-hmm. Right. And I love how she kept lying about who she saw in the the ancestral plane. Right. Nakia kept asking her, who did you see? And she's like, I didn't see anybody. And she was like trying mm-hmm. to reinforce like, oh, this is not real. And, I, and that's the other thing, too, that's interesting about this film, too, is that like, it's like, well, it's not real, right? She was acting like this. There's no, there's yeah, no reality to it, but she got proven that it is real. Mm-hmm. To the, <laughs> to the point where she's like, oh man, I don't want to talk to this man. <laughs> this man killed my brother. I don't want to talk to this man. Mm-hmm. And but it is real. Yeah, it was real, it, and it wasn't like some made up thing in her head either, mm-hmm. because he was speaking new facts too. That's true. So it was very interesting. Like, and then Nakia asked her one more time, hey. Hey, hold my hand. I like how, I like how Nikita tried to be sneaky about it. Like, hey, hold my hand. Breathe in. Now I want you to be honest with me, Shuri. <laughs> who did you see? Because she knew who she saw, but she mm. wanted her to say it. Yeah. Say his name, Shuri. Say say his name. Man, I wanted her to say her name. Like, say his name just real quick, man. Just because <laughs> so, we, we haven't heard that name yet. And I just like, say the name. Like, kill longer. Mm-hmm. Like, that would have been sick. But anyways. Yeah. Whoo. Finally, the last quote. Yes. Shuri, show him who you are. Yes. Got definitely, you know, Disney emphasizing Mufasa. the Lion King, Mufasa <laughs> kind of stuff there. But it was, it, I, I like, I love the third act ending here versus the third act ending of Black Panther. Mm-hmm. We can get more into that later. I, I do hear, I, I, can, I can already see from a critique standpoint that that kind of fell a little bit off, like maybe shoved in. Because how, how would she communicate to her in the ancestral plane mm. without being under the influence of just drinking the herb for the first time? Mm-hmm. But maybe there's something I'm missing. I'm not the best MCU person. So I've seen pretty much all the films except for the second Thor movie. But I there's things I miss. So I could mm-hmm. be missing something. But <clears throat> I personally liked it. One, because they obviously made a mistake in killing Killmonger. Like imagine if Killmonger was still alive. Man. Woo! Then that that would be interesting, right? It'd be even more messier. Yeah, and that's the thing. The MCU does sometimes had they create great villains and then they kill them off. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's good they have Loki around still, even though he's very annoying. Yeah. They have Nemo still around, even though T'Challa should have killed him. And I wish we had Killmonger around, but at least he can come back in the ancestral plane scenes. But having Namor around, and he's he's a villain in this sense or an antagonist in this sense, but he's not really an antagonist. Mm-hmm. You know, so at, at some point he'll probably join the Avengers, but I think it was great to keep him alive and the reason of why keeping him alive as well. Yeah. That you know, who are you really sure? Even if you're not a believer in the spiritual things, even if you don't want to believe what the elders are saying or go along with the traditions, you're not a killmonger person. Mm-hmm. You're not a you're not a psychopath. Yeah. Right. So, and even though killmonger had some some decent ideas per se like he in the end his implementation was psychopathic Mm -hmm. so that's not who sherry really is and i'm glad that she didn't go fully all the way in but if she had it would have been fully warranted because 
this man drowned her mother. So, like, it's one thing to kill someone's mother, but then you drown him? Yeah. Ooh, that's so bad. interesting scene where Angela Bassett's character um, was at the UN calling people out and she like threw I like the um, the parallel like when it was showing what had happened the night before and then showing her like the next day at the UN like with the people from France that tried to break into Wakanda I know I'm glad man but to be, it should have been the U.S. and France getting their 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 butts lit up and exposed, but uh, that was beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I, I love how dignified. That's why Angela Bass's performance was so good. Like you, her, um, yeah, I'd say her and Okoye, the the actress who plays Okoye, could I could see them be nominated for something. Mm. But her, she was so dignified. But you could. You can feel her intensity at the same time, mm-hmm. but she's holding it back because she she is a queen. Yeah. Right. And then when the rest of her um, her guards or yeah guards show up, right, and they bring up the the contractors that they that they found and caught. Man, it was just such a beautiful scene. They're dressed really well, but you know if you mess with them, you're about to get the spear. Mm-hmm. Woo. Yeah, and I think it was good. It was actually in a good way kind of like an antithesis to this the final like scene or one of the final scenes in the Black Panther movie where T'Challa's like, hey, we're gonna share with people. And so now the US and France and other nations are like, hey, why don't you share with us? And Angela Bass is like, nah, we ain't sharing nothing with y'all. It's always been our policy that we're not gonna trade. So for no reason. Also calling them out on their colonialism and the fact of like y'all would use it for like really bad reasons. And mm-hmm. bringing up Martin Freeman and Louis Julia Louis 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 Dreyfus, their characters, right? Like Martin Freeman asked, like, you, 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 could you under, could you imagine what Wakanda would be doing if, if they were like us mm-hmm. with that ability, with all the vibranium? And she's like, I, I dream. Sometimes I dream about that. And it's like, yep, that shows exactly how the U.S. would be using that vibranium, mm-hmm. right? So, I love the politics that were introduced in this movie as well, and I think it was a good way of making up for some of the stuff that they did at the end of the, the black mm-hmm. Panther movie. Um, so yeah, the next thing that we'll just talk about here briefly is the underwater world of Tolokan and Namor's origin story. That was really dope. So beautiful. Very beautiful. I, I still think that Disney, cause just going back to the little mermaid teaser trailer, they could light up the ocean water a little bit more. So it's a little more colorful in my opinion, uh, or mean, you don't like, you're good. You're they're good making it. it realistic. That's fair. There aren't like lamps down there really well, there, there could be maybe there's like there, you could use jelly he brought the sun down that's true that's true i want more light but it's dark i want to see ocean. my people i want to see my people because mm. i'm from both worlds you know what i'm saying the best of both worlds <laughs> um no but i'm just like i just yeah i just want to see more of what they of what they're down, going down there did you from a from a film standpoint do you and we'll go more into it later but do you like how they how how Marvel Disney lit the ocean world versus how DC did it with Aquaman. <sighs> yes. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't really. I mean, I know Aquaman. Uh, I wasn't a huge fan of that movie. Um, I liked it. But no, I know. Um, but I don't know. I, I like the more realistic stuff. Like it is dark underwater because the sun's in the surface. So you're not going to really experience that. That's fair. Too much. So it makes sense to me. Yeah. It felt real. Cool, cool, cool. Okay. Okay, I, I, I would be remiss to not mention they have their own symbol. They kind of try to do like a Wakanda thing mm-hmm. where they, they open up the, 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 the jaws of the shark. Yeah. I wasn't fully vibing with it, but I'm I'm not saying it's, it's bad that they had it in there. I just thought it seemed like, okay, you're obviously trying to do a Wakanda thing. That's what it felt like. Yeah. But it maybe, felt a little forced. And again, I don't know the comics like an expert. So if that's already in the comics, then hey, no problem. No problem. I think Namor is, an, is like a character that was introduced into Marvel Comics way before Black Panther was. So I'm not claiming anything. It's just, it just, it seemed a little interesting because mm-hmm. they're, it just seemed interesting. That's all. Yeah. I'm, that's all I'm trying to say. All right, cool, 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 cool. But it totally made sense, especially when you saw him float down into the jaws of the of the shark. But his origin story, they took like an Aztec, Aztec, ancient Aztec storyline mm-hmm. that they formed this society um, below, like in in the ocean, deep in the ocean, and it and it wasn't like the original comics where they're actually from Ad- Atlantis. Mm-hmm. That's where they all came from. I just think it's interesting because they drank the flower, right? Yeah. But why is it that when Wakandans drink, they like go into a different realm, but then the and they, other and they become people, Black Panther yeah, and then people. the other people drink it and then they just become fish. I, this is where I probably have a little bit of a problem with the idea of like how Marvel, the, the original authors created this idea. Again, this is the MCU version, but... So it's just interesting, like, I, I'm assuming there it had different effects because they're different people, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I guess for me, I look at, we're all human beings, so I don't see, like, but we, but we all do have different genetics, and so certain plants, herbs, drugs can affect you differently. Mm-hmm. So that is, that is possible. It was an earlier time, so maybe the plant evolved as well. No, it would be a later time because Wakandans were there longer. They've, they've, the Wakandans oh. have been around for a lot longer. Okay. Yeah, than the Tolokan. Mm-hmm. But what I love is that just the introduction, we, we heard rumors and we saw the casting of, uh, of Huerta. So like we knew that they were going to make it more, I don't, I don't know what the right word is today, Hispanic, Latino, Latin focused, mm-hmm. um, but, or you know, Yucatan Peninsula focused or... or um, or Aztec focused, mm-hmm. right? And they did though, and they did it in a in a very like natural way. It did yeah. not seem forced. It did not seem like, oh, why did they do it this way? That mm-hmm. doesn't make any sense. Like it just was like I I totally accepted it when I was in the theater. I hope no one had a problem with it. I'm just I'm really glad to to have seen this possibility, and I'm also really glad to see that Marvel took it this way. I know some people would be like it's identity politics, whatever, but it's it's I don't I don't see it as politics to shove it in people's faces like, hey, you know, you got you have to represent us. It's more just like let's have just full inclusion and tell a really wonderful original or origin story for it. Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was amazing. And and I also, again, give props to Ryan Coogler and his and his um, his writing partner that they 
had to do so much in this film. Mm-hmm. They had to handle the death of Chachala Jagger Bozeman, the Black Panther. They had to push the story forward. They had to introduce new characters and a whole new world that they had to build out a little bit. They didn't mm-hmm. go fully into it, but they built it out as best they could in the time given to them. Yeah. And it was a great film. Like, mm-hmm. I just like, I'm just really amazed like that they were able to pull it off because I was worried that they would not be able to pull it off. Yeah. No, they did a great job. Yeah. Um, also, in the Moore's origin story, <clears throat> just the last scene is that he has uh, a problem with the surface world. And they kind of took, I'll talk about this more, but they kind of took this whole thing of like the colonizers coming in and hurting his people, his, his, his mother's people and saying like, oh, they're all like this essentially. And now he wants to attack them all. And he got his name from a colonizer priest person Mm -hmm. calling them the son of Satan or something like that. Child of Satan. And he said, I'll just make it no more. And that's where I got my name from. Mm-hmm. And right. that was like Child Without Love or something. Child Without Love. That was, <coughs> yeah, that's right. Because it's a more and then, a, you know, no more. Twist on mm-hmm. no more. So very interesting. Yes. Very, very interesting. Are Do you want to see more of, of him in this world and in his own movie or? Uh, that would be interesting. I I liked the character. Um, I thought it looked cool when he was flying through the air and all that oh, stuff. So man. that was he, was, he was powerful. Nice. Um, yeah, I would, I would like to see more. Yeah. Yeah. More of no more. More of no more. <laughs> or right, very cool. Then obviously we, we have to talk about Ironheart or AK Riri Williams. Where's Ironheart? I, I don't remember that name. Riri Williams is Ironheart but what, in, in mm-hmm. the comics. Oh, in the comics. That's why she has an Iron Man like yeah. suit. But I don't. Her name. I I don't read comic books. That that's that's okay, but she will eventually don the name as Ironheart. She didn't do it in the film, but that's mm. what you know. That's what's gonna happen. Okay. Yeah, and she has a different storyline. Original or uh, she has a different origin story in the comics, but obviously, mm-hmm. with the 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 way that the MCU timeline has gone, and Iron Man is dead after the events of Endgame. So she couldn't have the original storyline where she actually meets up with Tony Stark and, mm-hmm. and all that stuff. But I still thought they did a wonderful job with her. I think the casting of Riri was awesome. Mm-hmm. I like her a lot. I hope they give her a little more freedom to be herself in her upcoming show <clears throat> uh, on Disney+. Plus. But I just like it because I love Stark tech or Stark-like tech. Mm-hmm. And if we're going to have more of this kind of tech, I just need scenes of her making and building stuff and trying out you know, cool technologies just like how Tony was doing in the first two Iron Man movies. So yeah. if that's what they're going to do and they also can cast and create new characters from it, I'm, I'm all for it. As long as they don't make her cheesy and cringy, we're all good. But mm-hmm. in, in this film, she was cool. Yeah. I took a trip to Boston and I visited MIT and I was filming outside of MIT. Flexing, flexing. Um, But it, I, I felt like... I I was there, like I I was there too, and I filmed something too. Oh, okay, very nice, very nice, very nice. That is all. <laughs> <laughs> it was just cool seeing the the walkway because that's like where I was specifically. So like I recognized it when I saw the location. So like, oh, they're really there for sure. No, for sure. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, I haven't been there yet, so. But that's MIT's loss, yeah. not mine. 
And uh, <laughs> the two white people of the film. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead, Michelle. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is my section. No. Uh, Martin Freeman and Julia Louis Dreyfus revealed that they used to be married to each other in the MCU. Yes, so, that was. That was, I would love to see that relationship. Actually, that would be kind of a. That funny could pairing. be a sitcom or something. I, I would like to. See, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind seeing a show like. Yeah. Dating in the CIA or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, yeah, so I thought that, uh, I just kind of want more of that, like, just to hear about why they got together, why they separated, and, um, w- how that's going to affect stuff later on. So I thought, uh, it was just, like, kind of a random thing, but I was like, I wonder, because everything that the MCU does has a reason to it, so I'm wondering, like, how that's going to be in the future for MCU. Yeah, the the only thing I know for sure is that Julia Louis Dreyfus is heading up the Dark Avengers or whatever they're called, comic book people, correct me. And so that's gonna be like the the anti Captain America from the the T V show that they had. Dark as in evil. I I don't know, but there'll be the spin off Avengers. Mm. I think it'll I think it will also include the sister of Black Widow that was introduced in the Black Widow film. So mm-hmm. that's where she she has like she's supposed to be like uh the shield and um Samuel L. Jackson's character. Mm-hmm. But like she, it's gonna be like a twist and more I think more government US government centric. Yeah. Than more like global idealistic kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So very interesting. Very interesting. Very interesting. All right. So just uh, a couple more things here. The, the, I guess the two major things that really want to go into is, you know, Namor and Shuri's similarity. This is obviously before the ending. So it, like I said before, I really thought that if you're going to critique this film on the writing perspective, that, you know, Wakanda Forever did retread the same storyline in Black Panther where you have these two major characters who are polar opposites of each other and represent the struggles of people of color um, from two opposite points of view, Hmm. right? So before before Shuri loses her mother, even though she's still upset about the death of her brother, she's not like, she's raging. She she is wanting to rage against the world, but she's checking herself. Yeah. She's being like, she's being Shuri from the the Black Panther film where she's hopeful and optimistic and is looking for solutions and ways to collaborate than ways to like burn bridges and hurt people mm-hmm. while also protecting her people. Right. And so, um, but then no more is like speaking to her very much like Killmonger was speaking to everyone in black Panther. Like, no, we got to take out the service world. We need to team up together. We have the technology to overpower them. And while we have the advantage, we should take them now. Right. And so I, I just want to bring up a few like points kind of, bring a little bit of the political spectrum, not like our U.S. politics, but just the, pol- the political spectrum in general, mm-hmm. where you have, I saw like the ideas of conservatism, progressivism, and radicalism, right? So you have Queen Ramonda being conservative, wanting to uphold the traditions and maintain the status quo of her people. Mm-hmm. She wasn't trying to push things forward, but she definitely wasn't going to let things like go backwards either. She's protecting the new um, institutions that T'Challa built, Mm-hmm. during his reign 
and but she's kind of going back on what he was saying before and she's not sharing vibranium with the outside world yeah right and so but and she's also like from a just a regular standpoint with her relationship with shuri she wants to go back to having the black panther she wants to uphold the traditions of the elders and things like that Mm -hmm. and that's kind of like her and shuri's kind of conflict in this in this story Mm -hmm. now with shuri she is more the progressive from the liberal side of things but progressive in the sense of purporting to advance the human condition through social reform based on advancements in science, technology, economic development, and social organization. So, like, Shuri was also for all the new educational centers that T'Challa put up at the end of Black Panther. She was all for that. She's obviously for technology and science and finding ways to help her people um, and the, the pan-Africanism, the, the diaspora of African people around the world. As, as you saw with her relationship with Riri, helping them with the resources that Wakanda has to offer, mm-hmm. right? And then the more is, and in this storyline is more the radical, even though he is actually a dictator and ruler, an authoritarian ruler, yeah, right? He's being radical in the sense of how he looks at the larger global hierarchy of, of power, right? Because even in the MCU, um, it's established now that Wakanda is a top dog nation, but there's still the U.S. I'm assuming China's around, mm-hmm. and you have France and other other nations that represent more of the older world powers that be that don't have vibranium, mm-hmm. right? And he wants to, because of their historical sins, he wants to destroy them. Um, and he is more of the radical, meaning that he's like forming his ideas along the lines of historical political movements that represent the leftward flank of liberalism. Radicalism that is associated with, you know, the French Revolution classically and other revolutions that has sprung up in the 19th and 20th centuries. Mm. So I just wanted to bring this up. I'm not trying to get too far, too deep into as far as like what you should think about or anything like that. But I thought that ultimately the film was retreading the same ground, kind of the same arguments for um, T'Challa versus Killmonger. And Shuri versus Namor. Mm-hmm. Do you? I don't know if you remember the the first Black Panther film um, enough to comment on that, Michelle. But what do you think that was kind of true? Did you feel like it was kind of boring and retreading the same kind of ground? No, I mean it's been enough time, at least for me, to where it felt new. If it was repeating the same thing, um, and it was different characters kind of addressing it, so it did feel fresh to me. Yeah, and then and there's like, and they're different. They're starting from different places too. Yeah. The reason why I bring it up though is because of Incredibles two. Right, and mm-hmm. another Disney movie made by Pixar, and I love Pixar, and Incredibles two is still like a quality film, but the major gripe with that film was that it was completely retreading the plot of the previous film. Yeah. From a different perspective, it was instead of Bob, it was the wife. Right. Um, Being the main hero. But it was still like, you know, you find a fan of superheroes in the past and then that fan of superheroes actually tries to kill you (laughs) kind of thing. And you have to then stop that super fan. Yeah. So I was I was wondering, I didn't feel this when I was watching the film, but as I think more about the plot, I was kind of wondering if that would be a negative going forward. I haven't watched any. Too many. I haven't watched any reviews of Black Panther Wakanda forever yet, but I wonder if that's going to be in the people in people's consciousness of like, oh, we kind of saw this before. Mm. Yeah. And maybe that's what it's leading 
to Wakanda Forever getting lower um, Rotten Tomato scores all, all around mm-hmm. than the first Black Panther mm. movie, which I don't I don't I don't think is fair because I think though the film doesn't go as deep into the the fighting between between the colonial traditional Western powers and these newer, you know, uh, people of color led vibranium societies. Right. It doesn't go into as far as as the Black Panther movie does, because it, go, it turns more into like we got to keep Riri. Right. And, you know, then they just fight between each other. Mm-hmm. I, I think because of that fight between each other and because of the conflict that Shuri's going through with the losses that she's she's experienced, I think it is a different enough where it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like a complete tread. Yeah. And also because then the more stays alive. Mm-hmm. That is true. So last thing we'll talk about as far as the film is concerned happened in the in the post credit scene. That's what it's called. Yes. And that was the reveal that Nakia had a baby by T'Challa. Mm-hmm. And it's T'Challa Jr. <laughs> T'Challa Jr. Now, how did how did you feel about that reveal, Michelle? Um, it made me feel hopeful i was just thinking that i was just thinking that like that his legend will like live through well that's kind of a lot of pressure but um yeah like he a part of him is still alive yeah mm-hmm. and it, <laughs> the the kid is so cute he's just smiling Mm-hmm. so much and i would be smiling too like yeah. i'm in a movie i'm black panther you know you know what though oh i think i know what you're gonna say go ahead go ahead okay so i was thinking though like if they do a movie in the future yeah with the with t'challa jr yeah um they might do a parallel of killmonger and this version because he's also living outside of wakanda He's living in Haiti, right? But he would have more of a Killmonger story than a T'Challa story. T'Challa grew up. In no, Africa, that's what I'm saying. But Wakanda. he's like, like if it's kind of gonna like show what if T'Challa w- was in Killmonger's place and how would he react to things? Oh, interesting. Well, it's different though because he his father wasn't murdered. But yes, but I he could, still doesn't have his dad. But he has his and mom. And he's living outside of Wakanda. But he does have his mom and he met his dad. Yeah. So I it, it could be. It could be. It, so I don't know. It was just a thought. No, no I, I like I like what you're saying. I like what you're saying. And yeah, we'll see what happens with that. What I OK, what I thought you were saying is and I don't know if anyone else is saying is thinking about this, but it was interesting because now watching a second time when we actually first see that character, we actually see him sh- uh, show up when Queen Ramonda shows up to the school to visit Nakia, hmm. right? And I was weirded out the first time I watched the movie because I was like, how do those kids immediately know to go up to her and introduce themselves and lead her to Nakia? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just one kid. It wasn't just a boy. It was two girls. So I wonder, mm-hmm. now we're on the same age. Now, I could be off. I could be wrong. I could be off. I could be wrong. Did they have three separate children or did they have three like three separate births or did they have three trip? Did they have triplets? And mm-hmm. maybe 
um, T'Challa Jr. has like two sisters who are his his um, his equal in a way. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I just kind of wondering because like. But she would have introduced all of them, I think. But she, yeah, she was, she, so based on what we was revealed in the post credit scene, we assumed that Queen Ramonda had visited that school beforehand mm-hmm. and had met him like, like Nakia yeah. told Shuri that she, she had met him yeah, already yeah. before he, she died. And, the, and yeah, part of the hopefulness there is like, cause the Shuri is going through that beautiful scene of just like, finally she's letting the tears flow because mm-hmm. she didn't cry. She didn't have any tears flow um in the beginning parts of the movie but this time we actually see tears yeah. flowing she's finally releasing mm-hmm. the pain of losing her brother yeah right and then nakia's like hey i wanted to show you like hey you have a nephew <laughs> <laughs> and you can see like this joy this gratitude that comes over Letitia wright's face mm-hmm. she did a great job acting that scene yeah and i was just like I was just very happy at that moment. Mm-hmm. Like everything's going to be all right. You know, yeah. it's going to be all right. Like there's going to be, you know, just like the circle of life, there's going to be a new, a new dawn. The night will not last forever. Mm-hmm. So that was a very beautiful, very beautiful reveal as well. Like, man, that was good. I, I really think like Marvel did such a good job. Ryan Cooler. Ah, it was just a beautiful film. It was told so well. And yet it had those MCU kind of reveals where you're just like, oh, I didn't think I was going to get this. (laughs) So, man, that was good. That was good. That was good stuff. All right. So hopefully that covers the movie for all you people who are like, discuss the film, discuss the film. Hopefully you you got a lot of that discussion. If you want more, join the Patreon. We can do a Zoom and we can can chat together. Mm -hmm. But um, so, yeah. My question, though, to you, Michelle, from a filmmaking standpoint, what did you think about the cinematography, pacing and tone of Black Panther Wakanda Forever? I thought it was as good as it could have been. I don't know what I would have done differently. Yeah. Um, Considering the circumstances. Yeah. Like just everything was great. Like some people said it was slow that we went to the theater with. Um. The, but yeah. I thought it was it was slow, but it also had great action speed speed up moments too. No, but I think slow. Not it's not slow in a bad way. It's like you need time to like experience things, and you can't rush it. Like one thing, not to compare Black Adam and Wakanda Forever, but or or Thor: Love and Thunder. Like Black Adam specifically. Um, that one thing that really bothered me so much in the film, among other things, was that, okay, music is a big part of movies in general. Yeah, and there, very important. And there are a lot of moments where in Black Adam, they would take like an 80s song or something. They would play an older song. And then it would immediately blend into like a cinematic score. And it sounded so awkward to me. Like we're transitioning so fast from one feeling to the other that it felt like it's just trying to cram everything in there and it's not letting anything breathe. Yeah. And so for this film, there was a lot of great music and the the music um the original score and the music for the soundtrack like the popular artists like rihanna and stuff 
um, I felt like it all blended really well. Like it wasn't like rushing into the next feeling. True, it true. wasn't like um, trying to merge two feelings together in one scene. Lift it was just... me up. Sorry, go ahead. You said Rihanna. So, <laughs> so it, w- it was just, it flowed. It like let you sit in the moment, which I feel like a lot of films don't do now. They don't let you just like experience it for what it is and then like give you space and then move on to the next scene. Yeah, exactly. And that that's like Black Adam for sure. Um, it, it's, its pacing was completely off. Yeah. But if for a movie that did a little bit better of a job, uh, with Thor Love and Thunder, it still messed up a lot because Thor Love and Thunder was dealing with a major character, mm-hmm. that being uh, Lady Thor or you know, Thor, um, like dying of cancer. And it was too lighthearted. And it didn't get serious. Yeah, it didn't get serious. Like we, you wouldn't have known that she was dying and it was a serious thing to think about mm-hmm. until the very last minute that she was on screen. Yeah. Right? And Which was a beautiful moment and they, they really won me over in the third act. Mm-hmm. But... Throughout the film, you have butt naked Thor. Gore only kills one god uh, on screen. Mm-hmm. Like you have kids being stolen, but they're like doing the little kid hijink stuff. Like we're we're never gonna succumb to you, bad guy. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of thing. And it was just like you have the rock guy making all the jokes, and there was no real somberness to the fact that Jane, who now that I'm slowly watching the second Thor movie, uh-huh. that means so much to Thor, is dying of cancer. Mm-hmm. Right. So and that was that was like prevalent. So I would have loved for for Thor Love and Thunder to drop the jokey tone mm-hmm. and take themselves more seriously like Wakanda forever. Yeah. And I'm so glad that Ryan Cooler did it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I would also say pacing. I know, again, the complaint that some people are already saying is that the movie's really slow. But the pacing, I thought, was just really well done from going from somber, 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 then jump up with, you know, either whether it's the way they did the funeral scene or whether it's from the, the jokes that they would have with M'Baku um, kind of, you know, f- having his lighthearted arguments with people mm-hmm. um, to then going somber, somber, to then Shuri and Okoye joking around with each other, then joking around with Riri, right? And then going down, down, down when Shuri gets captured, mm-hmm. right? And then going back up. Like, there, there's, you can see that there's a flow, a yeah. way that's happening that the the writers are are taking with how they're doing the pacing of the film mm-hmm. taking you and then when they want you to slow down mm-hmm. and be in the in this sadness realm yeah which also was a bold choice from disney because obviously like looking at a film like lightyear which was too much in its head and too much in the somberness <laughs> and not enough excitement and adventure mm-hmm. right for at least for our first film in a in a, in a series it was kind of a letdown. But with, with Black Panther, we knew this going in, for the most part, that Chadwick Boseman was gone. There had to be some some just, like... Processing. Processing, yes, yeah. exactly. Like, humans need to be okay with sadness. Mm-hmm. And then in the third film, okay, we've healed, or we at least we're good with the healing process. Mm-hmm. Now we can come in and be like, all right, Wakanda forever, oh, mm-hmm. oh, and just get back into it. And, and really enjoy ourselves. But yeah. for the moment, it's okay to be in the stillness. Yeah. And also, I just wanted to um, recognize the video editor because the direct, I mean, the director has a big part in like the pacing and stuff, but also True. the editor is also the one that 
um, creates the timing within scenes. True. And so I think I didn't look up who edited this, but whoever edited it did a great job. Yeah. No, um, that's a super good point. That's why you're here, award-winning filmmaker, <laughs> because that's a point that would easily be missed by myself. And that's, that's, that's so true. That's true. That's so true. The the pacing in between scenes was done really well. And also, the I would like to just give another shout out for the cinematography. Like I said before, I think Ryan Coogler and his team have just jumped to another level. And I personally, as far as directors go in the MCU that are currently around and have been putting out films in the past two years, I would say outside of the director for Shang-Chi, I think that director and Ryan Coogler are pretty much at the top level, mm-hmm. right? Because... Um, you still have James Gunn and he's doing Guardians of the Galaxy 3, but he's obviously moving on to DC now. So like out of the current lineup of directors that Kevin Feige can call upon to make blockbuster MCU films, mm-hmm. it's um, it's the Shang-Chi director and it's Ryan Coogler. Yeah. And those two delivered on these movies in the yeah. phase four. So Jesus came up with a rating system and I think it's, interesting because i've tested this rating system in my own way um like i would come up with a number between one and ten that i felt a film would be like just how i felt coming out of it like i would just give it a number and it happened multiple times where i just gave it a number and then i went through the rating system that jesus created and every time so far it's been the same number I'm so glad I it's was working. like, yeah, I guess it's like a pretty accurate system. Yeah. So my rating for uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever is a 9.5 out of 10. Mm-hmm. And I'll break that down for you in a little bit. But just as a reference, my rating using the same system for Black Adam is a 5 out of 10. Ooh. Now, I know you, some of you might want to rage at me for that. You really like the film. And that's okay. You enjoyed the film. And I'm glad that you enjoyed the film. There's not to hate on you. But from my personal perspective, my subjective outlook on the film, I think it's a 5 out of 10, mm-hmm. right? So going to how I broke that down for Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, um, just letting you know that this rating system is heavily skewered or biased towards the script and the storytelling. We are the Musty Creative Podcast. We're into storytelling. We're not mm-hmm. visual effects artists. We're not composers of sound and music. Uh-huh. So we are going to focus more on the script. And so there are points given for visuals and sound, which this film did great in. So I'm not really going to worry about that. But from a script perspective, I rated from zero, from choices of zero, 0. 0.5 and a one. I rated the overall message and theme, the story, a one overall. Um, meaning that like you can, there's not really a direct message. I think there's many messages you can take out of this film based on who you are. Mm-hmm. But there are me- clear messages that the film is portraying to you without saying to you, here's the message of the film. Yeah. Um, and I thought I did a great job portraying that. Now, from a plot standpoint, as you can see, it was very easy for us to go through the plot and for you who watched the film to be like, yeah, I remember that scene. Yeah, I remember that scene. That all connects. So I gave it also a one as well. Now, zero, 0. 0.5 and one for the dialogue. I actually gave it a 0. 0.5. Now that I've gone through these the quotes, I may I may that may have been a, a poor number because there are actually some really good quotes. But. I, if I compare it to other films that had like number one in dialogue, which I can't bring up in mind. Oh yes. I, I would bring up like, I'll bring up the woman King that had a one for me for dialogue mm-hmm. or, um, 
anything everywhere all at once. Definitely yeah. a one for dialogue there. I thought the dialogue was good. And you obviously have some great quotes, but I think there it could have been better in certain stuff. Like not every joke hit, um, not every not every um, piece of dialogue that was in the film, the final cut was mm -hmm. was really hitting it for me. Then um, the last two areas for the writing would be compelling conflict. I gave it a one as well. Amazing compelling conflict, meaning that there is a conflict that makes sense. Mm -hmm. this, there are decisions that characters need to make that have vast consequences um, to the overall story and to the characters. And it all makes sense and it's all there. So, for instance, when when Namor says he's going to kill you, he's going to kill you. <laughs> so, yeah. so that was real. Um, and then finally, caring about characters. I care about these characters mm -hmm. and i i care about these characters so much that we're making a podcast so yeah yeah so yeah so his score was nine point nine point five out five. of ten yeah and then uh just a couple things here we pacing and acting uh acting i gave it a two uh which is the highest number you can get in that area and then a pacing i gave it a 1.5 because again it's a little slow it's a little long of a film I, I gave it 1.5. But yes, mm -hmm. so going back to you, Michelle, does Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, invoke love in the hearts of mankind? I think it does more than that. So Do tell. I will. Okay, so um, I feel like this story is about holding on to the love you have. Okay. Because with T'Challa's death, um and Shuri talking about how she wants to burn the world. She had the option to do that. True. They Namor gave her that option. Like, True. let's attack the rest of the world before right. they get to us. Right. And so she deliberately made the point to not do that. Right. And to do what T'Challa would have wanted her to do and what she wanted to do. And so I feel like it's a story about not letting the pain of life keep you from loving people. So I think it was like holding on to love. Yes. And, and I don't know if it would like create new love, but in my mind, I just feel like it's a matter of like preserving the love that you do have and not letting the crap of the world tear you down. Yes. And I, I also don't think Shuri's final decision with Namor means that she's accepting the status quo of the Western powers, the, the way they are, and but I also don't think she's forgiving them more either. Mm -hmm. She is realizing back to her conversation with Mbaku that killing the more would mean constant war and conflict between the two mm -hmm. societies, the two nations, and that is just something that is just it's not worth it, even to get the revenge back for your own mother. Yeah, and that's a really hard decision to make. I don't know if I would make that decision myself in that moment because mm -hmm. I might just be like. Yo, I'm going to kill you and I'll make a fake version of you and send that back to your people. <laughs> I'm going to call down one of those uh, changer alien uh, people oh, gosh. Um, or make a, a robot or whatever. Mm -hmm. But because uh, my mom face down in the water. Oh, man. I just that, I, I mean, you see it in my head and I'm like, Mama, Mama, please. I was like, I started, yeah. I'd be kind of low-key mad. Riri. You couldn't have ran when she told you to run. I know. <laughs> I might snatch her real quick, but. 
Well, they both could have ran too. That's true. I don't know why you stand there. She's like, I'm just going to stand by this window. This glass is impenetrable. (laughs) (laughs) I got water bombs, lady. You don't even know. Oh, my gosh. You don't even know. Um, She should have a personal shield too, by the way. But anyways, 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 anyways. Um, but yes, yeah, so I agree with you. It's about holding on to the love that we that we have, because mm-hmm. uh, we gotta have a little bit of light, and that's why I liked. Uh, uh, to me, we're in darkness in this film, but at the very end, we saw that there was a, a little symbol of light. Mm-hmm. The dawn is coming, mm-hmm. and and we're gonna get there. Mm-hmm. Everything's gonna be all right. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's our episode. That's us talking about Black Panther Wakanda forever. Mm-hmm. Thank you for being patient and waiting for us to actually release an episode. We appreciate y'all. Also, just a quick thing. If you want more analysis of Black Panther that goes super deep into all the things of the original movie and kind of gives you a lead up into the film or just a post discussion that is all about Black Panther and what it means to people across the globe there is a great channel fd signifier on youtube we'll include a link in the show notes for you to check it out mm-hmm. it's like an hour hour and a half long it's like a length of a film yeah video much, essay but, but it's worth it yeah it's totally worth it michelle and i both learned a lot it was amazing as far as our next episode we're gonna take another brief pause because of thanksgiving also i'm gonna have surgery soon and we are working actually on writing and preparing ourselves to create a new short film um, that's going to be somewhat animated, hand-drawn kind of thing. It's going to be really cheaply made, but the story is going to be good for future projects and stuff. Mm-hmm. So we're we're still working on stuff. We're still busy. If you want to get more you know, updates, join our Patreon. Our Patreon uh, join the Discord server and check us out there. But yes, next episode will be The Woman King. Uh, sorry, we're doing it backwards. We should have done The Woman King first, but we will pull out The Woman King first. And then gonna lead you into the holidays and eventually get to avatar 2 with a holiday special episode (laughs) yeah avatar 2 the way of water i i'm i'm gonna do that episode because if that film sucks i'm gonna talk about this film i'm gonna gonna talk this film i'm gonna talk we usually don't talk about films that they if we think they're they're bad but i'm gonna make a special case for avatar because Mm. waited for so long there's like three or four sequels already queued up Mm -hmm. if this film does well james cameron is a very interesting director and so whether this film does well or not i'm going to talk about avatar and a big thanks to our monthly supporters for helping us make this episode of the musty creative podcast if you want to be a supporter of our show you can visit our patreon page at patreon.com forward slash musty creative and get some behind the scenes footage and videos of the things that we're doing and help us make the show better and better and that's all the time we have for <laughs> remember to leave us a review on apple Podcasts and find us on twitter instagram and facebook and now it's time to shower up
No shed, no tears, no woman, no cries.